This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible x gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Film study with Ken McCusick. The Ravens are 5-5. Five and five. They just beat the Packers, clearly 23-0 in another in their third shutout. But this time we're going to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about those 23 points that got put on the board. So, Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing all right. Just getting ready for Thanksgiving. Looking forward to this holiday. Always was the big one in my family growing up. I'm doing I'm doing traveling, so it's not always the funnest, but I'll be driving to Deep Creek for a couple of days and then and then back, so got to do the two thanksgivings hit, oh, you know hit both ugh. sides of the family 
Yeah, like it's not enough food at one of those. All right. Well, well we're going to split it. It's going to be Thursday, uh, recover on Friday, then Saturday, recover on Sunday. Then we got Monday night football. There you go. That's, so, a, good, that's a good plan. Yep. Um, we went in on the last episode, we went in deep about the defense and how this was one of their better games of the year. Scorebook shows it, and uh, and the secondary played their best game we've seen in a long time. We talked briefly on there about how they did not plan on losing Stanley for this game, um, but they did, and that's where we got to start this game. This now that we talk about the offensive side, that's the big story before the game started. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that was the single biggest factor in the Ravens' uh, fairly impotent offensive output. Uh, Stanley's out, and we can only hope this is a one-game thing and that he's back, but you never know because he had two weeks to recover and, and didn't. But uh, Hurst moved to left tackle, and he was ineffective, uh, graded out as a high F. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, they also moved in Boanco to take Hurst's spot, and he was significantly deficient at some of the things that Hurst has been good at this year, and it cost the Ravens some, uh, some yards and some first downs. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But very, very bad. And, and if you look at it from last year, they really had a similar situation last year. And it was the part of the year which cost the Ravens a playoff berth. It was that four-game stretch uh, early in the year where they included the losses to Washington, Oakland, uh, and both of those two miserable outings at the Meadowlands when they didn't have Stanley. And Hurst played left tackle for one game, was right on the DF border. And then they had three games of Alex Lewis at left tackle, and he was on the DF border. And also then that meant they lost Alex Lewis from left guard. So very similar situation. And those four games destroyed the Ravens' season last year. We certainly hope it, it's not an extended Stanley absence this time. Yeah, I hope not. And this was a um, still concussion issues, right? That's right. Concussion protocol that kept him out? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, I did. I, I have definitely not heard that the shoulder is what's keeping him out. Because I mean, they could, they could, I suppose, lie and say it's about the concussion when it's really about the shoulder. But I, I don't think there'd be a reason to do that. I think it really is a concussion. And if you look at the hit he took in level two, he leaned into a block and his neck snapped one way awkwardly. It really looked like a like a very bad hit that I expected at least a stinger from, and this turned out to be a, you know, much more serious thing. Right, and that's something where we're still learning what a concussion means and how that uh, impacts you in previous in, in the coming weeks. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can have him back on Monday because that would uh, solidify the line. But at the same time, you want him deeper in the year. So you want him whatever it takes to get back to 100%. That's right. I mean, this, if the, if there was a game, he, I was okay with him missing. It would have been the green Bay game. It was not a must win. I know other people will say differently, but it was an NFC game, so had they lost, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Now the Lions is not a must-win game for the Ravens, believe it or not, because that's an NFC game. If they lose it, they win a bunch of tiebreakers. So it's uh, it's you know it's for, a for a game that you're saying was not a must-win game. We're all talking a whole lot better about the Ravens because they won that game. Oh, it, the the portent. From that game, what we what we discovered about how good the Ravens are from that game was huge, but the fact that they they actually had to have a W in it was not. Okay, gotcha. Um, how about we talked the other day about uh, the Packers and how or and the Ravens and how the Ravens attacked uh, Brett Hudley. Uh, how did the 
how'd the Packers line up against Flacco? Well, you know, that's that's an interesting point you make. I, I do not have pass rush counts but for, for each tabulated, but the, the Packers brought more heat with numbers. I'm convinced of that. I rushed five a fair amount and only gave Flacco ATS on 32% of the snaps, only 10 out of 31. And that's a very low total. And I know it was a, it was a patchwork line, but that's still quite bad. Um, and, and it could have been worse because Clay Matthews was knocked out of the game with a groin injury fairly early on. So 32% of the snaps, uh, uh, 32% of the dropbacks, I should say, is ATS, compared to 60% for Hundley. And that's the reverse of how the sacks worked out, of course, and all the turnovers. Um, but they had, you know, effectively seven sacks. It was six sacks plus an intentional grounding penalty um, for, the, for the Ravens, despite that high percentage of ATS. And the, the Packers, despite allowing very little ATS, were not able to convert their pressure as often and only got three sacks. So Flacco had the ball out quickly, and for that reason, I think Flacco had uh, quite a good game. Yeah, um, especially when you look at that whole, the line didn't hold him. And I know we can blame that on health. We can say, well, when Stanley comes back, this line will solidify, and he should get more ample time and space. But for a game that starts with us going into it, knowing the receivers are struggling, with uh, Perriman being a healthy scratch, with a guy like uh, having uh, Woodhead back into the game and no expecting checkdowns to Woodhead mm-hmm. and to Wallace. Joe had a good game because he had those guys to rely on with the ample time, or why, why, why do you say he had a, a good game? Uh, he, because he did more with his not ATS opportunities than he has over the, in, the, in the typical way in his career. He averaged 5.6 yards per ATS opportunity, and he normally is around 3.9 or 4 in such opportunities over the last eight years. Okay. I can, I can buy that. I can buy that that's, that's an improvement seeing in Joe, mm-hmm. um, even though it was a little frustrating because they weren't scoring. They, it didn't seem like they were able to manufacture much offense. But if you're seeing positives in that and Joe, that's what we want to build on each each week as we're suddenly making a playoff push. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really it. And and I I I'm, would always want to go to a playoff game. And the Ravens have consistently been excellent in first road playoff games, so they've never disappointed in that respect. But the but the thing that would make the Ravens really worthy of a deep run this year, and I think can can give them deep run, is if they can develop any sort of winning offensive identity. The 2003 Ravens did it with Jamal Lewis and a good run-blocking offensive line, a lot of two-back sets. The 2000 Ravens did it. Very similar team in terms of not having a, 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 a top quarterback, but they ended up having Dilfer manage games, and they ended up having a, a, a great performance out of Jamal Lewis really uh, set things up, and good special teams play, of course, when, when in one of uh, uh, Stover's best years. So anyway... Putting, putting all the things together, the Ravens right now, by DeVoa, have the best defense and the best special teams in the entire NFL. Okay, the best unit of each type. You don't have to have the best offense. You just have to have not the worst offense. And right now they're 29th by DeVoa there. If they could develop any kind of identity that would make them just a slightly below average offense or even a moderately below average offense, I think this is a team that can get pretty far in the playoffs. Right. The big thing that the offense cannot do that's even more important than scoring is giving up the ball and and just ball security. And 
we've Joe's had trouble with that. You can blame Joe, or you can say it's the wide receivers. I mean, Perriman, who yes, was giving I mean, the ball up, but uh, they did better at that this week. Yeah, it, I mean, obviously there's some of both in terms of, of who's to blame for this. But the funny thing about it is the Ravens' ball security, I think, has improved with Collins. You know, yes. West West had problems fumbling the ball, and, and he, he was not activated. As far as I know, he was a healthy scratch, although I'm not confirmed right. that he was healthy for this game. Uh, so, you know, they, they want to go with Woodhead. And uh, Woodhead had a hand in interception in this game, but it wasn't really his fault, as we'll get to a little later. I think it was really more a great play by Dix. Okay. Um, do you want to get to that now? We can. Yeah, let's do it now. Um, so anyway, there, there were two plays this game that, that immediately tweeted out as soon as they saw the second one that they looked very similar. And so the first one was the wheel, how to, the wheel route to Woodhead that was intersected by Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Okay? And it was uh, a play that was an odd formation because the Ravens had two running backs in the game. They had uh, Collins in the game who was threatening to run a jet sweep from the outside. So he lined up as a wide receiver. He was motioning, as you often see in the Wildcat, uh, where one guy is threatening to run the jet, jet sweep. The guy responsible for containing that jet sweep, based on where he was situated, was the free safety Clinton Dix on that side. And uh, Woodhead immediately sprinted down the left sideline uh, and and I thought, you know, it would have been a case, looking at it after the fact, of course, I didn't see this in real time, that, that, that Dix should have bid on that fake and then Woodhead would have been wide open for the score. Well, instead, Dix was remarkably able to not bite on that fake, stood step for step with Woodhead, and he's taller than, than Woodhead, is only 5'8". Flacco threw the ball up anyway, and I think he was going basically by the precept, if you're even, you're leaving, kind of thing. Threw it up to the spot intended. Woodhead did two things on the play. He turned slightly, which may have cued Clinton Dix to the ball coming, but he also gave a small push to Dix, which may have also cued him that the ball was coming. Dix turned, tracked the football, made the made the interception. Great play all the way around by him. And sometimes it's the other guy's player who makes the great great play. Right. So the other team's player. And you got to not be too concerned about that interception on Flacco's part. I think the play went off as designed. It was just a great play that foiled it. All right, um, but then they did the, they did a similar play. Yeah, in the they third did. Quarter. Third quarter, similar play, uh, and it was a touchdown pass to Wallace. So in that play, a little bit different setup. The, the the Ravens had four receivers and one back on that play, and the three receivers were on the left side and spread. So normally you have three receivers on one side, you might see a bunch formation, but these were, these guys were three spread, and Wallace was in the middle of the three receivers. Now the the right cornerback Randall was responsible for Wallace, and he had tight man coverage. But here's the difference. Man coverage, particularly if you're pressing it all off the line of scrimmage, often sacrifices something in the ability to track the ball or find it in the air, or even turn to read the quarterback. And that's what happened on that play, is that he never got his head around, he never got a chance. And I, to Wallace's credit, I didn't think Wallace ever gave away where the ball was. You know, he, he, uh, he turned back himself fairly late for the ball, and he didn't push off that would give it away to Randall. He just he just stayed close enough, and he caught the ball right over Randall's shoulder, which was a, a very impressive play by Wallace. So beat him once, lost once, worked out for the Ravens. Honestly, the, the, the interception by Dix in terms of its cost was not that terrible because it set the Packers up at the one-yard line. 
and uh, and that you know obviously is not the worst thing in the world to to do even from the, when you're at the wherever the Ravens were at the time, but uh, but two two plays very similar in terms of where the ball was thrown and very different in terms of the result and how the receiver played that uh, corner in each case of the corner and the safety. Right, right. Yeah, and you make you make a good point that no matter how good the, your offense does in running the play, it also has to do with how good the offense read you and hopefully so, you tricked them. Yeah, somehow we can always understand that when we're talking about the Ravens' defense, but we can't understand it when we're talking about the Ravens' offense, who should right. have complete control over anything that the defense does. But, sure. uh, yes. All right, um, let's uh, let's break down, go through the linemen and how they did on this Sunday. We already talked about how it was a weaker line and not what we wanted going into the game. Um, let's start with James Hurst. Okay, so Hurst had a tough game, and it could have been worse, except, as I mentioned, Clay Matthews was out of there early. Uh, he played all 56 snaps, and this is the Ravens played 56 snaps. They had one kneel at the end that gets taken out of the total, but, you know, we talk about that once in a while, about how I score those. But uh, he had played very well in the last uh, four games. He had only allowed four combined pass rush events in 269 snaps at left guard. And then he got moved to left tackle and had four pressure events in 56 snaps. So basically five times the rate of uh, events per snap. Uh, so anyway, it's the no first... Good. Uh, it's not what you want. Obviously not what you want. And tackles do give up a few more pressure events, but not that many more. So the first time Matthews beat him outside for a sack... Um, this was one of these weird cases, and they do not happen very often, where both tackles get beat on the same play, and the PFF method for assigning a sack to each looks pretty good on those under those circumstances. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that um, there are more than three sacks allocated to the Ravens' offensive line this week if you have that information from PFF, because either one of them could have been blamed for this one. I gave two-thirds of it to Hurst because his guy was there first, but... Uh, uh, Howard was being very awkwardly beaten on the other side at the same time by Ahmad Brooks. So, uh, uh, interesting play. He also got a half charge shared with Howard on the next sack he gave up, which was at Q3, 455. So, you want to go back and look at these plays. You can go to the article on the website, take a look. It's got the quarter and time references. See what's happening and see what I'm talking about in terms of these division of events here and, and uh, whether or not you really agree on the responsibility. So uh, hopefully making that transparent to you and you guys can have a shot to do that. Awesome. All right. Well, since Hurst got moved over, it means Bowanka got to start in his yeah. position. That's right. So F for Hurst, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. But very close to a, to a, score, to a, to a passing grade, but an F in total. But Bowanka, anyway, let's go back to him. Um, so he started in place of Hurst at left, at, at left guard and uh, was reasonably effective until he had a very costly holding penalty at the end of the game. So he was pulling on the play, and uh, he held the safety Jones. It may or may not have actually had an impact on the play. A lot of times, a holding penalty, when it occurs on a run play, doesn't isn't even near the play, and you just curse the uh, lineman for making it. But in this case, it was actually on the edge, and, he, and, and it's possible that Jones might have made a play on Collins, but it negated Collins' longest run of the day, which was for 13 yards. And when you look at his other polls, Boanco made just four out of seven. So if you look at this, where he got minus six on that poll, he really kind of had like minus two out of eight polls, if you want to talk about it that way. Whereas Hurst has, has recorded 28 of the last 34 points on polls. 
So uh, big difference there, and, and, and obviously Boanko kind of let the team down in, right. in that regard and cost the team uh, uh, some potential first downs there. Uh, he missed six blocks. There were three instances where he was beaten, and the other three were missed pulls. Um, that's pretty bad. Honestly, that's uh, that's costly. He made a block in level two. He had a pancake. And um, his overall play was not that bad because he didn't allow a bunch of pass rushing events. So he only allowed one and a quarter pressures. And given the way the, the Packers were getting after it, that was actually pretty good. And he his holding up against the pass did help Flacco. So aggregate, a C-, minus, but the team is clearly missing Hurst at left guard and his ability to pull. Right, and to get him back at left guard, we need Stanley back and healthy. There you go. Right. All right, um, Jensen's had a pretty solid year. He's Yeah, a, a solid year for certain. Uh, obviously, this game was marred by a, by that poor shotgun snap, so he... I don't know where the sound was coming through, but I, when I was listening live to the broadcast, I heard somebody laying, snap the ball, snap the ball already. It might have been a fan. It might have been somebody they were they were picking up on the parabolic mic, a coach, whatever. I'm not sure what it was, but the ball got snapped, and Ryan, I think, has a habit of pulling up his head as he snaps the ball sometimes, which is something you know pool players learn not to do, but Jensen apparently really needs to take a little bit more time figuring out how the shotgun snaps are are uh, are accurate or how to make them accurate because it, it's not working out for him. Sometimes he's left, sometimes he's low, and sometimes he's high, as he was in this case. And uh, very fortunately, Alex Collins made the recovery on that play, or the shutout probably would have been lost. So uh, uh, that was that was the big play on Jensen. He allowed one other pressure. He missed four blocks. Um, looked pretty good in terms of highlights in this game, and his overall game was a C- minus after adjustment. So uh, not his best game. One one really costly play, but the other plays, you know, honestly played at the normal Jensen level. All right. Oh, well, that, I mean, that's not bad. Just work on that. They got to practice that. This is his first. This is his first year at center, right? Because Yanda was that's was, right was center last year, so he's still adjusting to that, that position. That, that's right. I mean, he got his size right over the season in order to take that center job. But there's still there's plenty of time each week to work on shotgun snaps. It's something about what's happening in under game situations that is messing him up. Okay. And I, I don't know. It's a, maybe about how he holds his head, or maybe somebody else has to make the line call. Or I'm not sure exactly what, but but he's he's got to do something to reduce movement probably in order to get the shotgun snap right. All right. Uh, let's just continue on with Matt Skura. So Matt, he has been having a very consistent year, more so than any other. Ravens lineman. So it wasn't that he was great in this game because he was pushed around a little bit. He was he had parts of five pressure events that included two full charges, both on bull rushes by Lowry, but he also missed only two blocks. And he's now on a streak where he's he's only missed four blocks in the last three games. So I wanted to kind of take a look at it for the season. And if you look down the Ravens lineman and who's been missing blocks, there is an important note to make here that tackles miss more blocks than interior defensive linemen because they have a harder time contributing on the backside of run blocks. Okay, so it's it's harder for them to make an effective block that impacts on the backside of a run play. It's, they're the only player who's really in that position. The interior linemen have roughly equal opportunity to make a block on every play. So anyway, you'd expect the guards and the centers to have lower missed block percentages. Yanda only had 96 snaps this year, but 3.1% missed. Skura is next on the list at 4.1% missed snaps in 319. And then you jump up quite a bit to Stanley at uh, 6.4%, Howard 7.1%, Jensen 7.6%, Illuminor 8%, Hurst 8.2%, 
Boanko 9.4%, and Bergstrom 16.1% in, in that uh, awful half a play against Cleveland. So I think the Ravens have gotten a year much above expectation out of Skura. I don't think he's going to start next year in the NFL, at least not unless there's injuries, but he's made the case to be a, vi- a very valuable backup player for the Ravens next year. All right. Uh, Austin Howard, you had a lot of praise for him last year, or last week with the Titans. Yeah, big big game against Tennessee, and honestly, he regressed. Both tackles had a bad game, as we mentioned. Um, there were three sacks in the games. He had a piece of all three of them. He had the full ch- – I, I kind of mentioned both the, the first two with it in Hurst, but we'll talk about the third one because he gave up a full sack to Fackrell when he was beaten inside, and that was late in Q2. Uh, interesting drive at that point because the Ravens, after the sack – did a very good job with clock management. You always call out bad clock management, but that was great clock management. They didn't rush. They knew the objective was then to get a field goal. They moved down in time, let the entire clock run off, kicked a field goal with just a few seconds left, and denied the the Packers the ball back at the half. So good good use of uh, that at that point. Back to Howard. I don't don't think I've ever heard, uh, not recently, John Harbaugh praised for good clock management of the Ravens. Fans only see it. That glass is half empty with sure. the clock management. They always think I can do it better, and and you can. But th- this is a case the clock was managed very well at the end of the half. Good. Um, so anyway, the uh, the other thing that Howard did, he had two nice highlight blocks. One led Collins's five yard conversion on fourth and one. He he got a beautiful seal on that play, and then he delivered a pancake on Ryan in level two that uh, led Collins's longest run of the day, which was for nine yards, and that was a. Uh, midway through quarter four. So anyway, I hope you guys will take a look at some of those plays, look at the run blocking in this game and the pass blocking, and uh, bemoan it if you like, but uh, but hopefully we get over it. And, and you know, in the words of March, Marge Simpson and the, the left side of the Ravens' offensive line of this game, let us never speak of it again. I hope not. It's, it's, again, let's get Ronnie Stanley back and move on. All right, it's time for our offensive MVPs. All right, so let's we, do that. Yeah, I don't think we've done offensive MVPs in a while, well, so it'll be good. Well, we, do we don't typically. It's been there's been you know one or, or zero for in most of these games, obviously. Right. But, but I'm prepared to, to to make three here. And my number three, you, you want to go number three first? Sure, I got number three, and I got Sam Cook as number three. Um, I always don't know where to put special teams, whether it's put them on the defensive side or the offensive side of the ball. But he had an excellent game getting the ball down, even when the refs screwed him. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. That is a that is a great pick, and actually, I would put it on the offensive side, and I think he would have bumped my number three guy, who is Mike Wallace, for his great touchdown catch. So I I uh, not too much else to be said about that, but I love the Cook pick, and and that punt, which never got touched, I don't think. I don't think it did either. Was was the best punt I've ever seen. Right, it, 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 it rolled dead at the at the zero, yeah. effectively. Yeah. Right, because the uh, football players could have been. 10 yards away, and it would have still landed at the same spot. There you go. He didn't need any help. Uh, my number two is also special teams, Justin Tucker. He's putting on a nice, uh, reliable year, and we need him because we don't have an exciting offense. That's true, and that was a formula, of course, that run, won it for the Ravens in 2000, and during a lot of the Stover years, 2008 comes to mind as well, they really leaned very heavily on Stover to to uh, uh, prop up a an offense that that had problems, and Tucker is a is a giant step above Stover in terms of quality as a kicker, and and uh, he is a player that they could lean on the rest of the way if the defense can continue to play as well. I like the pick. 
My number two guy is, is Collins. Now, Collins had an unimpressive game from a yards per carry standpoint. I think it was 20 for 49, so two and a half yards a carry. But the thing he did is he, A, recovered the fumble that was one of the biggest plays in the game. So if that, if that ball gets recovered by Green Bay, Green Bay maybe, maybe goes ahead in the game, and the Ravens do not have a good record of coming back in games this year. So I think it really could have taken a different course where Hundley took more care of the ball, et cetera, et cetera. But it didn't happen. He recovered the ball there. The other thing Collins did very well is he was constantly getting contacted for the first time behind the line of scrimmage and making something or a couple of yards out of nothing. And even though his long run was nine, pretty much all of his net yards were after contact yards. So I liked it a lot, and uh, and I thought he did a, a fine job. And I, I only wish that they had actually given the ball to him on the jet sweep instead of trying to throw the ball to Woodhead. Uh, my number one is Brashard Perryman because you didn't have it in all your stats, but he did not cause <laughs> a single interception this week. He did not drop a single pass this week. I mean, Big Brashard improvement Perryman, for Perryman there. did not hurt the offense this week, so he's my number one. All right, so so part of me is saying I should not encourage this kind of behavior, not just <laughs> not just in you, Josh, because you obviously have sold out on Perriman, oh, yeah, but done. just in general because I don't like rhetorical negativity about the about the Ravens. So, you know, we, we're trying to present a factual show here. Come on, that was, that was anyway. all facts. He didn't call the <laughs> interception. He didn't drop a ball. All right. All right, my friend. Well, you, I, I respect the respect the selection, and I still hope Rashad will be back and play well for the Ravens the right. rest what of the did, season. What did Harbaugh say? I hope he get, I hope he's ticked off. I hope he's I pissed agree. off. I hope yeah. it's, he's pissed off, and I hope he learned how to catch. There you go. Okay, so my number one pick this week goes to Flacco. Uh, hasn't had a, a good opportunity to get one so far. I think he might have might have had one great, good game in about week two. But uh, but this was a game where he was deserving. He he took hit after hit for the team in this way. And if you compare and contrast the two quarterbacks and their ability to deal with pressure, uh, Flacco did a much better job of it than Hundley did, clearly. Hundley, you know, waited and with less pressure, did less uh, with the football. Flacco got rid of the football, took some hits, didn't get rid of the football a couple of times and took some sacks and still didn't turn it over other than the one interception. So good game from Flacco. Happy it worked out the way it did. He's my number one. All right. Awesome. Um, Let's get to the mailbag. And the first question up is Chad Corden. Hey, guys, my question is... My question to you guys are, is Moore ever going to get more snaps on the offensive unit? He is a beast on the coverage unit. I think the second one's a statement, not a question. That's but, sorry, he's allowed to make statements. We, I, I yeah, encourage people. But he, but he it, put two question. He put a question mark at the end. Oh, uh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah okay, not that so I'm good at grammar, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, more. <laughs> okay, so more actually in this game got 33, 33 snaps, which was 56% of the offensive snaps. He played 16 special team snaps, which was 70% of those. And obviously, more doesn't play on the field goal unit, but I believe he plays on just about every other unit. He's in there blocking punts, covering kicks. Uh, he's on the he's sometimes on the kickoff return unit, not always, but he would always be on the kick coverage unit. So he's getting a chance on both. Um, he didn't in this game in terms of targets. He didn't get much. I'm trying to think if he was even targeted at all in this game. Just looking at the stats here, he was not targeted not even once, but uh, 33 snaps on the field. Moore was the guy who was active in place of Brashad Perriman. So, you know, you could make the argument that the roster spot might have been wasted given that, um, uh, given that Moore did not get any activity. But as you mentioned, Moore has been a special teams ace 
Appreciate the comment, Chad. Thanks for thanks for getting a question in so quickly in Film Study Mailbag. All right. Uh, Rob McDonald says, what did the Ravens try to do to kill the clock in the fourth quarter, and how well was the plan executed compared to other times they've tried okay. to preserve a lead? You got I, I think that I, a little. I think I can make an analogy to the movie The Water Boy. And I don't know if you remember the movie, but what happens in the thing, who who can't remember all the football specifics, but Adam Sandler sacks the quarterback all the time. And so the opposing coach figures the most effective offense possible is to kneel the football three consecutive times. And the Ravens were not far from that in Q4. They basically allowed the Packers the time to run out the clock on themselves and and the Packers did so they moved they would move the ball for several plays then they would throw an interception turn the ball over or they would give the ball over on downs and uh, and it was an effective way to eventually get the game over but they did allow a very large number of fourth quarter plays relatively speaking to the Packers and that's something that obviously against better teams they're not going to want to take the risk of doing right and that's what you said on the defensive side they let uh Nick Cunley just ruined, uh, lose, him, lose it himself. That's right. So, uh, Shakiru at Mouse Sweets asks, why aren't the Ravens using Max more in the passing game? He was, ca- okay. he was a catch and stud coming into the league. Is he not creating separation? Okay, I think there are, there's a combination of factors here going on with Max Williams. And um, he's been used in various ways in, in, in the NFL level, but I think his primary use this year has been more of a blocker and chipper in particular, who is occasionally kept in in Max Protect um, in order to uh, maximize his value and also minimize the damage uh, from tackle. So Howard has proved to have some slow feet often needs help, and Williams and Boyle are the two guys who can most provide it. And they're often, uh, you'll see they, they run this tight ends formation where both are in kind of a wing position as opposed to an on-the-line-of-scrimmage position, and they could play either. You know, oftentimes Shannon Sharp, because he was a pure receiver, always liked to be up as far, as close to the line of scrimmage as he possibly could be. He didn't want to be off the line of scrimmage so he could get the, the, the fastest break down the field. But when you're blocking, you're more likely to be off the line of scrimmage. And Williams has been used in that role more this year. I'm happy to see that he's improved as a blocker. I think that's been good. And I think we've seen a few better things from him in terms of yards after the catch. But I would agree that we would like to see more in terms of him catching the football. And in particular, catching it at least equal with the first level of defenders. So I don't want to see a three-yard shallow cross in front of the linebackers. That's not where Williams is going to be best. Where he's going to be best is between two linebackers, you know, moving down the field where he can hopefully uh, use that momentum gain to, to generate yards after contact. Gotcha. All right, uh, moving on. Let's pretend that injuries did not exist. And Richard Ruzica <laughs> asks, I know it's tough to say, but now how good would the O-line be with Stanley, Hurst, Jensen, Yanda, and Lewis? You know, it's an interesting question, and and the one thing I'll say about it is no team in the NFL is able to avoid injuries. If you had the Cleveland Browns this year, starting the year, and you knew that they they would not suffer a single injury, they would probably be right in the middle of a playoff hunt right now. Because it just... The variation due to injuries is so great. You look around the league. I mean, the, every team has lost significantly. The Ravens at one point, certainly even before the season started, were the most injured and most devastatingly injured team. I don't even know if that's true anymore. I mean, they've lost some key players, but they've also, you know, they're okay on the defensive side. They've discovered a tremendous amount of depth. 
Um, on the offensive line, they've gotten way more out of that group than I would have expected. But Richard is right in the sense that um, they have a set of offensive linemen who are below average, who are performing at a nice average level. If they had an average or slightly above average offensive line, they really could be good. Yeah, uh, that's, again, something to look forward to to uh, next year. And, of course, you're, like you said, injuries happen. It's how you it's how you handle it. And somehow the Ravens might pull this out healthy with, with uh, some health for the second yeah. half. So, yeah, it would, would be great to see him make a run. Yeah, all right. Well, Ken, next week our schedule again will be a little different. It seems like every week there's something going on now. And next week the Ravens play on Monday Night Football at home. So that will be a fun game to talk about next week. All right. All right. We, have, we also have a guest next week coming on the show. It's Dev Panchois from RSR and uh, should be a great uh, additional voice here to, to lend his insights in. Dev uh, writes battle plans on RSR, and it's a, it's a very uh, in-depth X's and O's column that I think you guys will uh, appreciate. All right. That's exciting. Um, this is coming out on Thanksgiving, so I do want to say here's a way we are thankful to everyone who listens to the show. And very thankful for your interaction on, uh, on uh, Film Study Mailbag and sending in your questions. Here's one more thing you can do to show that you're thankful for Film, uh, film Study with Ken McCusick is head on over to iTunes and write a review. We got a new one in on Monday. I try to highlight these when we get them in. And this is from Rod NFNEJ. And he, his, the title of his review is Why and How, Not Just What. And he gives us five stars like you're supposed to do. <laughs> and says, most football analysts tell you what happened, but Josh and Ken dive deeper into why it happened and how it happened. Ken's detailed analysis of the offense and defense performances will help you be a smarter football fan. And Josh keeps it light with the off-the-wall opinions and great sense of humor, a must-listen podcast. I don't know if I'm off the wall, but... You know, that's, that's an extremely positive review you just got there, Josh. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's outstanding. No, that's a great review. And we are very thankful for uh, the, all the reviews like that and whoever's listening. So thank you, and please keep them coming. Yeah, I appreciate it on Twitter, too, the way you guys have been very positive about the podcast. And, uh, you know, I regularly see people appreciating it there, and, and uh, we love to get our listeners. And uh, uh, love to have your questions in the future and, and love to hear from you on Twitter as well. I'm at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. You can go out to RSR. You can read the backlog of articles if that's your thing. I encourage everybody to get Game Pass to do that, but also you'll you'll see there's tables and tables of data out there that you can look at and other fun stuff. Josh, I am about your show. at Josh Sirocco on Twitter. My show is Section 336. And uh, this week we talked Orioles because the Orioles signed two minor league pitchers that you've never heard of. Well, no, they signed one. They signed Ryan Rourke, who is a <laughs> minor league pitcher who didn't play baseball the past year because he got Tommy John surgery. Ugh. And then they and then they made a trade. They made a trade today with the Colorado Rockies, where they trade international slot money for some who no name minor league pitcher. Okay, so and they've done talk, a lot of that. Yeah, so we talked about that, and uh, we got into for the Orioles not doing much. We got into a lot of Oriole talk this week, as well as a little bit of Ravens talk, and all that's over at section three thirty six dot com. What do you know about this? And, and I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot badly, but what do the Orioles actually have in terms of an international scouting department this year at this point when they when they trade every single international slot? It seems. Yeah, I don't think they I don't think they believe in international uh, okay. scouting. They don't spend any money there, mm -hmm. so I don't I don't know what they do. I am shocked that they always have money to trade. 
they're always trading international money. I don't know where, how much they have or how, they, how they're not running out because every deal they do is for international money. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But I know that, by, that I think the undercatch strategy might be to not touch international stuff because he doesn't want to get mixed up in what the Braves got mixed up in now where they just lost a lot of their draft picks because of some shady stuff they were doing on international drafting. Oh. And their former GM is now banned from baseball for life. Wow, no, I did not know that. Yeah, I all, know it, all that came out today. Back, back in the 1980s, there was a general problem with uh, getting people from the Dominican Republic because they all went through Epi Guerrero, who was very big down there. And he would understate the age of every single player who came through. And they were able to do that uh, you know, for many years. And right. Junior Felix was a classic example. He was probably four years older than he was originally claimed to be. So he's a 20-year-old coming up, and you yes. project all kinds of growth onto that, and then you, you, it doesn't materialize because the player's much older. Right, so. right. Now, Braves got in a lot of trouble, and all of their uh, uh, fines and penalties came out today. Wow, i got to look at that. So, All right, Ken, well, have a great Thanksgiving. And you we too, Josh. Talk. Enjoy the drive. All right, we'll talk on Tuesday. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's List of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's. Home to any budget. Home to any possibility. U.S. only. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.